What's going on, everyone? This is Tyler Dunn at GoLong, founder of the GoLong newsletter, golongtd.com, for all features, all profiles, team deep dives, columns, Q&As, podcasts, and obviously you're listening to the GoLong podcast right here. So thank you so much for making GoLong part of your day, the podcast part of your day. Uh, live at the website right now is my profile on Zay Jones, who... You may conjure some certain images uh, in your mind when you hear that name. Perhaps the TMZ video that went viral five years ago. Perhaps the fans here in Western New York remember him as a bust of sorts, second round pick. Things get off to a rough start with that drop against Carolina. Well, I flew down to Jacksonville, sat down with Zay for two hours to get into everything. He didn't hold back. Uh, he was willing to really start from the start. Growing up with a dad who was a three-time Super Bowl champion, linebacker of the Dallas Cowboys, who has a wild story of his own, to the East Carolina days, to Buffalo, to the Raiders, to Jacksonville, and of course, that night in Los Angeles when he nearly killed himself. 30 floors up in the downtown condo, uh, tried to blast himself through a window, has scars all over his body to remember that night to this day. So, uh, Zay, to my knowledge, this is the first time he's really been open to uh, delving into everything. Uh, to his best recollection, obviously, as he details, he was on something that night. Uh, I hope you have a chance to read the story. Again, it's at golongtd.com. Would love it if you subscribed to become a part of of our community. Greatly appreciate everybody who does so already. Thank you very much. And in lieu of this Zay Jones story, I wanted to bring on a Jacksonville Jaguars expert to learn a little bit more about Zay, but also Trevor Lawrence, Doug Peterson, the move away from Urban Meyer, all things Jags, all the time. This is a really exciting team that believes it can win a Super Bowl in 2023. I'm going to have another story uh, down the road, probably a few weeks from now, that's bigger picture on the Jags and how they kind of transformed uh, from Urban to Doug Peterson to believing that they can win a Super Bowl this year. I think you're really going to want to read that one as well. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, Mia O'Brien is at 1010XL right down there in Jacksonville. It's 92.5 on the FM. She has an excellent podcast that she gets into in which she really gets to know these players as human beings. Uh, and we get into everything. Uh, the urban days, the move away from all of that. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, Zay Jones, the defense, uh, the issues that could prop up this season. Have they been addressed? This was a really fun conversation. I think you're going to enjoy it. So thank you so much for listening, for sharing, and of course for reading. We'll talk to you soon. All right, as promised, here is our resident Jacksonville Jaguars expert, the one and only Mia O'Brien, 10, 10 a.m., 92.5 FM, and you also just started an awesome feature, The Scoop, which I want to hear all about. 
uh, you get to know the players down there on such a cool personal level. But um, I've just anointed you our, our dispatched Jaguars expert. So now that you've been anointed that, you're required uh, for free to pop onto this podcast anytime. So thank, thank you so much, Mia. Hey, always excited to team up with uh, another honorary or actual uh, Central Western New Yorker um, since I got into an argument with some listeners a few weeks ago about what is Ithaca versus uh, Buffalo. And I I suggested, Ty, I suggested that uh, Ithaca and Buffalo were from the same region where, of course, I went to school. And, uh, yeah, people were not too happy about that. So excited to join you either way. (laughs) The Finger Lakes are beautiful. Head out that way with the wife quite often. Ithaca, beautiful. Is, it is, is it, gorgeous, it, as they say. Is it Robert Trenum State Park? Did yes. I have that right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Treman State Park. That's correct. Yes. Yes. I like that a lot. Uh, actually visited the college and it was good. I mean, that was what I was thinking about playing football still. And I did St. John Fisher for a year before transferring to Syracuse, but. Ithaca was, I mean, it's crazy how in high school when you're trying to pick a college, how like one little thing can just like end it for you. And we had just this awful tour guide. So it was like, all right, yeah, I'm not going to Ithaca. I'm sure, I'm sure that this campus, beautiful, great journalism program, but tour guide was just awful. If you want a real, this is actually a really great inside baseball story from Jacksonville. Um, so, uh, cause I'm sure we'll get into Trent Balky in this podcast. Um, part of why, which Trent and I are on very good terms now, by the way. Uh, at least I, I hope so. And I think so. Um, but you know, when the clown movement was going on, one of my big knocks, um, was just that. And again, this is comparing apples and oranges, but Dave Caldwell is a natural extrovert. And so my first day in Jacksonville, like I had just flown in the night before I'm sitting in the facility. He comes up to me at lunch and says, you're the Ithaca girl. And I was like, yeah, and I don't know who he is. And he starts talking to me about how he actually was recruited by coach Butterfield, the late great uh, football coach, three-time national champion of the bombers and how Butterfield offered him in the fall of his senior year. And then basically forgot to send him an offer letter And so Dave went to John Carroll simply because he didn't know where he stood with Ithaca. And then after he had sent the letter to John Carroll, the factory, Butterfield calls him and goes, hey, David, what's happening? And he was like, dude, like, where have you been? And he's like, oh, I've been golfing and this, that and the other. And so, uh, yeah, Dave Caldwell was almost an Ithaca College bomber and the Jaguars were almost saved of him becoming an NFL general manager. I kid. Dave is a good friend. Um, But, yeah, no, it all comes back to the bombers. It always does. Yeah, I felt really special as a recruit to St. John Fisher until there was like 130 guys on the JV and varsity team. It's like, yeah, I'm like the seventh string linebacker. This isn't going to happen. But this one, so yeah, come on, Dave. That's, yeah, he should, he should have got a little bit more love than, love than that. I, I would were assume. they in the empire? Was St. John Fisher in the empire eight when you were there? Yes. Yes. Oh yeah. Let's go, baby. Well, my brother went to the- Cortland, Cortica Jug, right? Oh yes. Of course. Of course. Uh, you know, we, we won't say anything about dragons not being real on this podcast now that I know. Um, but no, <laughs> empire eight pride forever. Ithaca's in the Liberty League now. And I get that's like more illustrious or whatever, but the empire eight is where it's at when it comes to central New York. Jags, Jags, Jags. I'm always psyched about the Jags this time of year. And usually that excitement kind of screeches to a halt, you know, first week of October, maybe September in the, in Urban Meyer's case. Uh, but I think it's real. It feels real. I remember being down there in 2018, uh, with, with that epic defense and they felt like they could be, be their, their own 85 bears type of unit. 
2000 Ravens. They weren't shy about it. I think I even picked them to go to the Super Bowl when I was at Bleach Report that year. Didn't pan out. But I think everybody in their back of their minds was like, okay, like this is great. Jalen Ramsey and, uh, you know, Calais Campbell and Miles Jack and Telvin Smith. All these guys are a lot of fun. But Blake Bortles is the quarterback and Doug Marone's the head coach. And this thing probably isn't going to last. And like it, Almost kind of like you, you, you want it to feel real. You want it to be real, but it's just not going to work out. You, you, you know, as close as they were going to get was that fourth down pass to D.D. Westbrook. Stephon Gilmore horizontal breaks it up. AFC Championship game. Why is the hype and the hope more realistic in 2023 than it was in 2018? Is it as simple as Trevor Lawrence, Doug Peterson? Because it, it, it's, I think the excitement's probably greater now than it was even then. Oh, and I think it is for those two reasons, Ty. It absolutely is. Um, In this league, to win, you need to have a quarterback and you need to have a coach. With all due respect to Doug Marone and the boat, the Jaguars didn't have that in 2018. Um, It was funny because living through that season and having come from Iowa where I have been working during the 2017-2018 season, and so I have a lot of friends that are Bears fans, if you may remember, the Bears defense had a similar season to the Jaguars from the year before, and they're all hyping up Mitch Trubisky, and this is it, like Nagy's our guy. (laughs) And I remember just saying, there is no way the ball can bounce your way on defense as many times as it did this year next year. It actually did a decent amount of times for them, and it did for the 2018 Jaguars defense as well. People forget that defense was still a top-five defense. (laughs) They just got absolutely no help from their offense, and injuries obviously played a factor, and that can play a factor with any team, Um, but the reality is is that great quarterback play, great coaching, that translates year to year. Um, I'm right there with you, though. I get PTSD as I see all these predictions and the hype. Uh, we actually had Mina Kimes on one of uh, the shows I host here at 1010XL. We had her on Helmets and Heels. And I said to her, I'm like, does this actually translate? And she said, she was like, no, from an outsider's perspective, yes. If, if you have a great head coach and a great quarterback, there is no reason to panic so long as both are healthy and there is a vague resemblance of weapons for Trevor Lawrence, which they've given him a Trevor Trove, and that they get protection because she was very concerned about the protection, which I will defend because I have some feelings about that. Um then then you're going to be okay. And the reality, too, Ty, is just that since 2018, with the introduction of Patrick Mahomes to the league, this is a scoring league like it's never been before. Um, You look at the Kansas City Chiefs, and while certainly having four rookie defensive backs came to fruition in the form of a Super Bowl championship last year, um, they will outscore you. And that is their strategy. That's what the Cincinnati Bengals strategy was en route to a Super Bowl the year before. And so... I don't want to say that's what the Jags are doing, but it is certainly a card they have in their hand. There were just so many times watching the Jags, you know, of yesteryear with Blake Bortles, and you just you just had a feeling that mistake was coming. I don't even know. It was almost like a sixth sense with the team that even even in that game when he was he was lights out. I mean, he was dropping dimes. Something wrong is going to happen, and it. I kind of felt that way, obviously, year one of Trevor Lawrence. He's a rookie. Urban Meyer is an unmitigated disease of a disaster. I mean, whatever you want, an infectious parasite of a coach. I still can't believe I lived through it. Like, I said it actually to a couple coaches over the last few weeks when we've, like, recalled it. I'm like, how? Like, I scroll through my phone, and I still have photos from then and videos, and I'm like, how? 
Like, how did I live through this? Insane. Insane. I can't imagine to be there covering that team. I actually was the one, by the way, who asked about, you know, there was week one against the Texans. And I asked about, well, you know, they've got Burkhead. They've got a couple different running backs, different styles. Um, whatchamacallit, what's his face? David Johnson, who played for UNIs there, like all different styles. You know, how do you counter a three-headed monster like that? And that is when he started talking about Joe Mixon. And, uh, yeah, yeah, we should have known then, Ty. We should have known then. Yeah, there's so many things I just forgot about. I just can't get the image of him at his own bar with somebody, you know, younger than his own kids. Yep. Disgusting. No, uh, we we did Disgusting. a uh, in honor of the Jaguars moving into their new practice facility. Um, and it's no longer uh, the media room, as you know, is no longer the um, accessory locker room, like the third or fourth string locker room that they had us in the last two years, aka the dungeon. And we're not in that TV studio anymore. We did like a farewell. And uh, and I said, I, I want to do the Mount Rushmore of moments that have occurred in this room. I've only been here five years. And I think of the last 20 years that they've used that room, like all of them have come in the last four. <laughs> um, because between the urban antics, Tom Coughlin screaming stats at us, Jalen Ramsey's impromptu presser, some weird things have happened in Duval. Uh, and the fact that we have reached a point of normalcy, like that's, I think, what I'm most scared. Like I- I'm enjoying the normalcy. Uh, I used to joke when people would say, I can't believe you cover the Jaguars. I'd be like, win or lose, we're in the news. And now I'm like, I just want to be in the news for Trevor Lawrence being a good quarterback. That- that's-, that's all I want. Well, it's- and that's what I'm getting to. It's like at some point last year, you know, maybe it was that Ravens game. Uh, maybe it was the Cowboys game. I feel like Trevor Lawrence... Doug Peterson, Press Taylor, everybody in charge of that offense. It just that that feeling that you had of everything bound to go wrong in this disastrous way. It, it, it was sudden. It was you stopped feeling it, and they started making those plays at the end of games that they've never really made. I mean, as, as far back as I can remember, watching this team. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not watching them every single second of every single game, but since like the Brunel, Keenan McArdle, Jimmy Smith days. Uh, things just went right in these critical, critical moments. Uh, I feel like it's permanent. I feel like it's going to last because you have a coach who will go for it on fourth down. He chooses to believe in his players in these situations. Whereas, you know, I live here in Buffalo. Sean McDermott has, he goes for it in the regular season. I mean, it, it, the stats bear it out, but they get into the playoffs and it's like everybody gets very, very tight. This team's wound very, very, just so tight that they, they, they crack. In these big moments, I kind of like the Jaguars in the AFC because it feels like a team that won't crack in those moments. So how, how did this team go from the place it was to where it is now, if that's true? I will take you back to a year ago this month, Ty. Uh, and since you're going to be joining XL Primetime, the show I host Monday to Friday, uh, a good precursor that you can bring up with the boys and give them flack for. Um, last June, Doug Peterson announced that he was giving the veterans mandatory minicamp off. Um, he said that, listen, they fulfilled everything I've asked. Because we had to start a little bit earlier because we're first-year staff. They had to be in here earlier. Our attendance numbers have been off the charts. I want to reward them by giving those three days off, especially because we're playing in the Hall of Fame game. We start training camp five days before everybody else. This is my plan. And because I'm in the building every day, like, I was like, all right, like, I trust Doug. Like, like, cool. Sounds good. Uh, My co-hosts 
ripped him apart because he was doing this because of feelings and because, in Doug's own words, the team needed to heal. He needed to reward them and earn their trust. And basically, they said that, you know, he's being a wussy. That, you know, this is why are we talking about feelings? This team won three games last year. Um, well, here we are a year later. Um, and wouldn't you know, uh, that team went to the second round of the playoffs and came up a fumble short of beating the Kansas City Chiefs to advance to the AFC championship game. So, uh, clearly Doug has a plan. And I, I will tell you, at least in my conversations with Doug, like I believe that they believe down there they are a year ahead of schedule. They knew they would win some games later in the season last year just by nature of they finally got things gelling. We forget Press Taylor, a first-time offensive coordinator. I know Doug calls the plays, but still. Uh, Mike Caldwell, a first-time defense coordinator, he faced a lot of flack during that five-game losing streak. And so that's what they're banking on is that the team you saw in the last seven weeks of the season is who they wanted to be. And they knew you wouldn't see them until after the midway point of the season. And so that's where it'll be very curious to see what the expectations are now this year, knowing what they did a season ago. And really get the sense too, like Doug press, everybody wants us to be a player run operation. Like they, they know, I mean, they're not going to just, you know, throw, eggs at Urban Meyer, you know, they're professional, but everybody knows what it was like before. It was a dictatorship. I mean, really a modern day NFL dictatorship and guys, I will, uh, yeah, you talk I'll to share, you, they... yeah, I'll share this with you. I actually, um, you know, I won't say the name like of who it was, but I was speaking with someone at the building and they just described it as like, you come to the facility in November and you're like, I want to get ready for the game. I want to prepare the team and myself for the game. And uh, Urban was looking to lead a coaching clinic and um, uh, teach players how to p- play their position in November. And it, that's just not, that's not how it goes. Um, you know, like you got to keep playing. Um, but yeah, no. And that's the thing. Doug doesn't bash Urban. He, you know, he kind of has pushed that to the side. Trevor obviously has done a tremendous job of doing just that. Um, you'll hear, you know, sometimes a couple of them that were on the team in 2021, like we'll get a couple jokes out of them. Um, but by far and large, they have pushed that to the side. And mm-hmm. I think what really has helped this team tie is just the fact that so many of those coaches are former players, whether they played in college or like many of them, they did play in the National Football League. You see a direct correlation, in my opinion, between Deshaytown in a 10-year NFL player with the Pittsburgh Steelers, won a Super Bowl, and his mentorship of Tyson Campbell. You see the translation for Trevor Lawrence in that quarterback room, having a Mike McCoy and having a Doug constantly in his ear. And so that's where I, I think it's such a – Richard Angulo as well in the tight end room, for what it's worth. Um, I think that you see such a correlation between guys who went through it and therefore they want to treat the players they wanted to be treated when they were playing and – you can call that soft if you want, but we've had a lot of long discussions as, you know, off-season workouts have gone through and we look ahead to training camp. We've had a lot of discussions with my co-host, Leon Searcy, all-pro, right tackle for the Jaguars, opposite Baselli. Um, And so, uh, you know, he, he said that you look back at, you know, his one year he had with the Baltimore Ravens and hearing that Jonathan Ogden was on a pitch count. And he thought that was the craziest thing because Tom Coughlin was running guys into the dirt. Um, and the reality is, is Jonathan Ogden probably played 12 seasons in the league, 11 of them Pro Bowl caliber, because he was taken care of. And that's what you're seeing with Doug Peterson. He takes care of the players, takes care of their health. And, you know, 
the one thing I will give Urban Miller, I mean Urban Meyer, is that he was able to help break ground on the new performance facility. The Jaguars ranked dead last in training space, nutrition, across the board training and development, and now they're going to be able to climb up through from the ruins of that. Well, great breakdown. It's it's nuts. I mean, I'm looking at the uh, coaching staff right now. I mean, Chad Hall at wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Those receivers in Buffalo love Chad Hall. They would run through a brick wall for Chad Hall. They bought him a truck. I mean, this is a guy that uh, can relate to the to the guys in his room. And I think you know, the fact that he played the game helps. He's younger. That helps. But he's real. He's authentic. And it seems like that's the case for not Doug Peterson, but everybody that that he hires, and it, that stuff matters, especially in that room, which is really, really deep. And I want to ask you about Kelvin Ridley, but before I move on from Urban, like just any other massive difference between Urban Meyer and Doug Peterson that people may not know. Um, I mean, basic elementary things like Doug shows up five minutes early to pressers and Urban. I mean, we used to have to wait like an hour. Thank God I didn't have a radio show back then. Um, yeah. Oh, there. And like he was just disrespectful. He was notorious for it in Gainesville and it only escalated. I think, though, Ty, for those that are like wondering, like, what, where did it all go wrong? What's the issue with Urban? Is that like I go to the basic foundation of. It's one thing at the University of Florida or Ohio State University, with all due respect to those two institutions and their football programs, it's one thing to change the schedule at the last minute when student athletes have class from 8 to 3 and then they head out to the practice field. If you want to change the schedule after, that's fine. It's another thing when someone arrives for work and they are given like, hey, here's your schedule for the day, and then an hour into it they're told, actually, we're doing this instead, and it happens almost every other day. That's what was happening here. Here. And with Doug, it is not that way at all. Doug is a creature of habit. Um, he, I will say this, and we will get into this when we talk about my podcast. Like he, he rewards them. He gave mandatory mini camp off. A lot of guys left early. They got on flights early to head home, to head on vacation, to start their summer break. Yeah. Uh, Doug himself uh, immediately boarded a flight as soon as mandatory mini camp was over. But when they are here, they are locked in. And that was something that Trey Burton shared with us when Doug was first hired on Helmets and Heels because he had played for Chip Kelly, who, you know, if you if you want to liken Urban to Chip Kelly, I think that's obviously an insult to Chip Kelly. But in terms of guys who came from college, the National Football League, um, Trey said with Chip, you were 5 o'clock. All right, see you later. See you tomorrow. With Doug, once Doug took over the Eagles, hey, like, stay stay till a little bit later. I want to, like, let's go over this. Let's go over that. I'll get you some ice cream. Don't worry. Um, and that was a stark difference for, for him and for those Eagles players that were previously like, all right, you're, you're done for the day. Head out, punch your clock, nine to five and head home. And Doug creates an environment where, yes, he's going to expect you to stay late and work late, but he helps you see the value in that and the brotherhood you're creating and then still rewards you. It's a work hard, play hard environment. And, you know, I think that's a okay because you're also seeing results on the field. And if he's doing it himself, if he's practicing what he preaches, yes. guys see that. He's the first one in the building every day. I will tell you that when I previously worked in local television, they were doing the morning show for the draft this past April. So I haven't worked there in a year plus, but I can tell you because I'm still friends with people there. They were setting up the morning show at 4 a.m., getting the setup ready because they start at 4.30. And Doug walked into the building the Thursday of the NFL draft at 4:45 in the morning and like popped up behind them half jokingly live on the air. Um, 
at 4.45 in the morning. Uh, our engineer here at 1010XL last year was going to set up the radio broadcast at 5 a.m. Doug was the one that let him in the door. Not a security guard. Doug Peterson let him in. Um, and so, yeah, he, he absolutely practiced it. And I think that's how he earned our respect. And I just, I think he's a normal dude. Like I, I say the, the bar is so low and it's just normal, but it has been such a comfort that like, I know who I, like what I'm getting every day. And I also know, and this is with all due respect to Doug Marone, who I still love. And I only took out of my cover photo on Twitter recently. Um, Doug Marone would just, as you know, like go on these tangents uh, about Georgia tech and Georgia Leary. And like, he would somehow tie things to each other and wouldn't actually answer your question. Doug answers the question and he, he is forward. Sometimes he'll joke with us and say, no, I can't answer that. But like, he's real. And that's what we needed in this town. Gave us some, some Bills fans listening a little PTSD with the Doug Marone reference there. But I think Doug, you know, by, by the time he moved out to Jacksonville, I think he kind of saw where he needed to improve as a coach, maybe loosened up a little bit. I don't know. Maybe not. Uh, all right. Hey, before we talk I about good the team. With, I mean, I love Doug. And by the way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Speaking of New York references. Yeah. Speaking of New York references, you know, Doug's son is playing at Colgate. Um, so, I mean. Hey. I always got along, yeah, with Doug and his family here. And, you know, they still have a house here. And, I, you know, Doug was a great dude. Like, I love Doug. But it was very evident that for this team to take its next step, it it needed it needed the next level of coaching. That's for sure. All right, before we talk about the team and the nitty-gritty and stuff, tell us about your podcast and where can people yeah. find it? What are they going to get? Yep. So this has been a labor of love over the past uh, few months of putting it together. Uh, it actually was an idea I came up with when I first joined 1010 full-time because I was part-time for a year and a half. Um, but it's called The Scoop, um, and it is exactly what it sounds like. Uh, I go for ice cream with Jaguars players and coaches. Uh, what I think has been really great so far, and I know it has certainly made PR and the team pretty happy, Um even though I did these interviews without telling them, um, is that I don't ask anything about the actual season ahead. I ask about the journey. I ask about, you know, what it was like growing up here, um, their college careers. We draw ties to, you know, for example, um, like one of our upcoming episodes is with um, Roy Robertson Harris, uh, Jaguars defensive end. And I said to Roy, you know, you could see a clear correlation of he didn't start at his high school in Texas until his senior year. He only earned two varsity letters. Part of why he was lightly recruited was largely because he waited his turn. And I said, any other kid is going to transfer for a high school. But he said, no, I just wanted to play at that high school and I wanted to do the best job possible. And my pops taught me to put in the work. Uh, so then he goes to UTSA. Same thing. He had a coaching change. He stuck it out. And so you look at his NFL career, which really didn't take off the ground and running until his third year in the league. And again, it's the only thing he's known. And so that's the only like current stuff we talk about. We draw ties. You know, if people had coaching changes in the past. I ask about that. Um, but yeah, no. And so it's been really fun. Uh, you get to see a different side of these players. And the uh, idea for it was we have six weeks of no football. So what are you going to do? Uh, well, we taped all these before everybody went on vacation. And also it supports local ice cream shops. So uh, get it's their word out there about their name. So why wouldn't you want to uh, throw this on as you're driving to Disney World or wherever your vacation is? And so uh, podcast form, uh, 1010XL podcast, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your 1010 podcast, and then YouTube and Facebook and video form as well. I love it. I feel like so much NFL coverage today is 
you know, this is going to sound weird to people who aren't in the business, the gangbang interview, right? <laughs> the locker room, everybody converging upon a player. It's an amoeba in so many markets. And, you know, these players, when they're, I mean, think about, put yourself in their position. You're standing there. You've got 20 people around you, cameras, mics. It, are you really going to say what's on your mind in that setting? Probably not. You're probably going to regurgitate talking points and cliches and be there for four and a half, five minutes and get the hell out. And it's just, I don't know. I, I'm not even like blaming, um, you know, uh, communications departments because the Jags are awesome to deal with. Like you referenced them. I've, I have only amazing things to say about everybody there. I kind of blame modern day media and I, and a lot of people and not, not there in Jacksonville, but there are some markets where a lot of beat writers are just okay with moving in that amoeba and writing off the podium and everybody doing the same story, everybody producing the same stuff and nothing's really original. So what a cool idea to get players speaking their mind, telling stories they otherwise wouldn't tell. That's what we try to do here. And, Everybody out there should absolutely make this podcast part of their rotation. Who's the most fascinating player on the team to you? You know, on the field or uh, off the field? On the field and off the field. Well, we've learned a lot about some of these guys um, so far. I mean, our first episode, uh, because Doug had to jet out on vacation, um, was actually supposed to be with Doug, but instead we're going to pivot that one. That'll be during training camp. Um, but, uh, our first episode was with Logan Cook, um, who on the surface, it actually was hilarious. And thank you for the glowing words. But when we first announced the podcast, someone was like, I want breaking news. I don't want to hear about Logan Cook. And I was like, well, get ready. Cause he's episode one. Um, and you know, it was super cool because he's a guy who, you know, oh, he's got a wife, one kid with one more on the way. He actually lives, you know, right down the road from me, which is kind of weird. Um, but, uh. <laughs> Like, what are the odds? Um, but, uh, but no. And so he talked about, like, first of all, there's things you forget. Like, he played in Mississippi State, was a starter for four years, which was unintentional. He got thrust into action as a redshirt freshman. Dan Mullen was his coach. He was recruited by Dan Mullen. Obviously, in these parts, that's like interest peaks. Um, we had a great talk as well about, um, you know, he, his faith is very important to him. And so, um, you know, he talks about religion needs to be a conversation, not an obligation. And so, I think it's been really cool because you learn something different about all these players and coaches that you didn't know before, um, not to give it away, but, you know, we had linebackers coach Tony Gilbert on and he played for the Jaguars, played in the league, and he's got some fun stories about, uh, about his, uh, his, his, his years in the league. Um, he had one pick six in his career. Um, and I don't want to spoil who it was, but it was a fellow Georgia Bulldog alum. And so you may want to go look that one up because that's a fun little stat he's going to reveal in that episode. Um, so yeah, so like fun little things like that we've learned. Um, but safe to say, and part of why I rambled about that is the most fascinating person on the team is the gentleman who you got to speak with. And that is Zay Jones. Um, he's a guy that when he arrived in Jacksonville because of his tumultuous, whatever you want to call it, ending of his tenure in Buffalo. Um, you heard things, especially for me having roots, um, in the Northeast area. Um, you know, Oh, like, you know, he, he when the team isn't doing well, he shuts down. He doesn't want to do interviews like blah, 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 blah. And then I talked to some people in the Vegas contingent and they're like, no, like he's pretty, you know, he's, 
he's pretty cerebral, but like, yeah, like he, he doesn't really talk if they lose. And I'm like, all right, sure. Like, okay. Like I've dealt with a lot of losing. Um, so I'm pretty used to that. Um, and trying to get answers out of guys after losses. And then he shows up and I will never forget the way we first interacted was we're at training camp. And uh, another thing that I do here at 1010, cause I am our also besides hosting, I'm our director of multimedia production. And so I oversee all the podcasts, all the multi, the videos, TikTok, all that stuff. So anyways, I, I do a segment um, that's partnered with Arlington Toyota here locally called My Quick Hits. And it's basically just my takeaways from practice, from games, um, quick little, you know, selfie video that we do. And so I haven't interviewed Zay yet. This is like the fifth day of training camp this past year. And I'm sitting off to the side. I think I was like grabbing my water bottle and he comes over to me and he goes, how do you do it? And I go, what? And he's like, your reporter voice. And I go, Oh, like, you know, like it's just my normal voice. He goes, no, no, no. And he grabs the microphone from me and he goes, this is me, O'Brien, with my quick hits driven by Arlington Toyota and like knew it. And I was like, yeah, yeah. What? And he's like, yeah, he's like, you have a great voice. He's like, I'm mocking you, but like, you have a great voice. Like, how do you have that voice? And I was like, what? Like, I haven't actually injured. Like, hi, I'm Mia. Nice to meet you. Um, But yeah, no, he... And what's cool is even when there was losing, um, he was that same guy. So contrary to what I was told by some colleagues around the league, now he has matured a lot. And I have friends that covered him in Eastern Carolina as well. Uh, he has come a long way. And a super cool anecdote uh, as well is that uh, Coach Dave Campo, who works with us part-time here at 1010XL, former head coach of the Dallas Cowboys oh. and uh, Super Bowl defense coordinator uh, back in the early 90s for the Cowboys, he actually coached Zay's dad. And so for him, this has been the coolest full circle thing to have coached his dad. And now he gets to talk to him at practice. So, um, yeah, it's 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 a very fascinating story and life that Zay Jones has led. You're totally spot on with the impersonations. So we talked for, I don't know, like two hours and yeah, throughout about, about a lot of heavy stuff, like heavy, heavy stuff. Uh, by the time people are listening to this or hopefully reading our story on Zay Jones, he he got into Everything that happened in Buffalo, onto Oakland, Vegas, Jacksonville, East Carolina before that, his story is, is unbelievable. I've never heard anything quite like it. But he even threw like some really serious topics, like organically, he would relive some scenes, you know, with Sean McVay and the Rams. So they put him through a, a pre-draft workout. He thought the Rams were going to draft him. He was convinced. And then the Rams actually traded that 37th pick to Buffalo and Buffalo drafted him with that pick. But as McVay, Unbelievable. Like, Caliendo-esque. His John Gruden, unreal. Derek Carr, like, <laughs> the pressers that we've seen with Derek Carr, it was, it was perfect. I'm like, th- this is a skill. How do you do it? He goes, honestly, it's, he goes, I don't do it to try to like be cruel or mock anybody, but if, if somebody has like a little tick, like a little idiosyncrasy, I've got the ability to pick up on it and lean into that. And uh, yeah, Christian Kirk said the same thing. Like, he's always doing the stuff behind the scenes and it's, it just blows my mind that somebody who was left for dead probably should be dead, given what happened on the 30th floor of that L.A. condo. Um, and then, I mean, something like that happens to somebody, we don't hear from them again, right? Professionally, at least. They just disappear off to the cornfield to never be heard from again. And here he is, the life of that offense in so many ways, clutch, catch after catch. Um, but, yeah, what – Give us that uh, perspective. What's he like personality-wise behind the scenes for this team? That's something we didn't get into a ton, 
Like, what is um, his impact on the team, like in the locker room? How do guys kind of gravitate towards say? Well, as we talk about the amoeba of scrums in the locker room, um, Zay defies that, or at least um, with myself and a couple of the other younger members of the media in particular, that I I appreciate him so much because he he like it's a it's a very like you know professional relationship, but it's a friendship. Like uh, when he did his um, for my cause, my cleats, um, you know, we talked about it about his grandmother suffering, passing from Alzheimer's. My grandmother passed away from Alzheimer's, and he's like, "Can I hug you?" And I was like. Yeah, sure. I'm like, it's okay. Like, like I, like it was one of those things where it was like, you know, for the best, like she didn't really know where she was. And he's like, no, but like this is something, means something to me too, that I know someone else that went through it and like a family that went through it. You don't hear NFL players talk like that, but that's who he is. Uh, it's he real. Is on another- too. He's, it's not for show. It's real. No, it's who he is because what he'll do, what I was going to say is so, um, the, First or second week of the season, I forget when it was, but I do like one-on-ones for our pregame show um, on the Jaguars flagship radio station. And uh, and I sat down. I'm like, can I do the one-on-one with you? And he goes, absolutely. He grabs Jamal Agnew's chair, pulls it up around, and he goes, let's talk. And so I literally said, and here's a fireside chat with Mia and Zay. And so that became a thing is like whenever I did my weekly, you know, trip around the locker room, when I got to him and Chris Manhurts' corner – Another New York, Western New York connection, by the way, uh, which we'll get, we could get to that another time. Cause that's podcast a- co-host found him. He's not with yes. us right now, but Jim Mona's found Chris Manhurts. That's right. And to throw you for another loop, uh, Chris Manhurts is good friends with my family, uh, which includes my dad's cousin, who was the first lay president at Canisius College. So my cousin Caroline and Chris are buds. Oh yeah. So, so I wow. have like a relationship with Chris because of that. And so I always felt comfortable. Go- First of all, he's a great dude. Uh, he wants to get into media too. Fun facts. Um, but Chris was a guy that not only I always went to in the, in the face of adversity and losses, his locker was next to Zay and Zay used to talk so openly about how watching how Chris interacted in the face of adversity and just being a leader in the locker room without having to be a rah, rah, bat your chest, bang your chest type guy. That was such an inspiration to him. And you saw that over the course of the season. It wasn't just lip service because they had lockers next to each other. Um, it's, it's super fascinating. And I've actually talked to a lot of the players in that locker room's parents about it too, that like, that like they talk to their sons and it's just like, no one is like screaming in your face in that locker room. They don't have a guy like that. It's very much guys Mm -hmm. that even if they're not quite as introspective as Zay, um, they have real conversations. They love to work and then they go home and then they, text and play video games together and they're all guys that in some form or fashion were boy scouts quote unquote before they got to jacksonville and people knock that because they're like oh you're just gonna go out and draft a bunch of captains and boy scouts but it translates because you see guys that are going to do their work help the guy next to them which you don't always see and then they move on um and so i think it's a very unique locker room and in terms of zay's voice yeah he's definitely a jokester but He's one of those guys, and I'll be curious now that Chris is with the Broncos, it'll be curious to see if he kind of takes on that role as like when you need to have a deep conversation, whether you're a media member or a player, you go over to him. Okay, we've been awfully lovey-dovey with these Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, Let's play devil's advocate here. Maybe you do need an asshole on that defense that people fear. You know what, maybe maybe he's got a rap sheet. Maybe, you know. There's uh there's some concerns there, some red flags. I don't know. I, I, I'm creating an imaginary player. Nobody specifically, yeah. but you do need to have some bad dudes, I think, to win in January to get to the Super Bowl, to win that Super Bowl. 
This offense is loaded. We know it's loaded. Trevor Lawrence is the prince who's been promised since the sonograms. Doug Peterson has won a Super Bowl. Calvin Ridley is this number one receiver that they acquire basically out of thin air, which was brilliant, by the way, because it was such a weak free Asian class to think ahead, trade for him, add him to Zay Jones, Christian Kirk, Evan Ingram, all that. The defense. that It seems really, really good, but they need to be better if they're going to take that next step. Um Give me, how about this? Just give me a reason why this team will get to the Super Bowl and then give me a reason why maybe they don't and your thoughts on that defense. Ooh, that's a loaded question. Uh, we'll start with the defense. Uh, if you want a reason as to why they would get to the Super Bowl and why they're confident they could, um, uh, this came out two weeks ago, but I guess NFL.com just published it for the masses today. Um, next gen stats revealed that of their top 10 defenders in pass coverage, the Jaguars are the only team that has two players in that top 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tyson Campbell, who should be in line for a Pro Bowl all pro season this upcoming year, is third in the league. And then Darius Williams, who started the year at the nickel position because Shaq Griffin was the incumbent until he got burnt toast three out of the first five weeks of the season. Um, and they went, wait a second, Shaq's on IR and Darius's natural position is outside. Let's move him to the outside. And little did we know, uh, not only did he perform admirably, and I think he had like three pass breakups in his first game back at the outside, um, no one threw his way the rest of the season. So, uh, yeah, if you have those two, I think that that's what this team is banking on because they were tied for the league a lead, league lead in pressures a season ago, despite only having 35 sacks. And so they say, hey, if we can have a full season of those two on the back end, we'll patchwork what we can at the nickel position, because I know Jaguar fans are very concerned about third corner spot. And your linebacking core, Afoya Lewikin has a second year in the system. Devin Lloyd, Chad Muma, a second year in the league, let alone within the Jaguars organization. You'll bank on them. That, in turn, will create more pass rush up front. That is what this team is banking on. They're banking on an ascent, just like the Philadelphia Eagles went on. And while the Philadelphia Eagles added Hassan Reddick, and the Jaguars, as of this writing, have not added anyone, they think with continued development and with the ability to cover on the back end, they'll have more time up front. And, of course, the biggest of those development projects being Trayvon Walker. Uh, to answer your question of who a bad man could be, um, Foley Fadakasi, for what it's worth, I thought was going to be that guy. He really played injured most of the year, at least from my vantage point. He was not at 100%, which guys will tell you they're not at 100% anyways. Um, but he's a guy that he can be a bad dude. And so it'll be curious to see, only because I know, like, especially having the relationship we do with him, like, Roy Robertson Harris is a dude that if you if you mess up, he'll get in your face. But he is not going to be that, you know, mean guy. That's just not in his blood. Um, Trayvon Walker could be because Trayvon Walker, is he's a good dude. He's a teddy bear. Roy used to tell me he was like, let me tell you, Mia. Trayvon doesn't ask enough questions in these meetings. Devin asks too many. And he said in a good way. He's just that smart kid in the, that sits in the front row yeah. and he asks all the questions. And Trayvon is a guy who, you know, he's he clearly he's got it. So it's like, speak up. You have it. Um, and so they're hoping that he does this year and he finds his voice. By all indications, he has. The the team has been very impressed with his offseason workouts. And so um we'll see because a lot's gonna be asked of the former number one overall pick. Uh a reason to get to the Super Bowl would be if all of those things I just outlined come to fruition, because I'm not worried about the offense. Um they will compete with the Chiefs and the Bengals of the world so long as everyone stays healthy. Um in fact, I think the addition of Tank Bigsby isn't being talked about enough. I think that's yeah. going to be huge for Travis Etienne um, and also for this team that struggled in short down yardage all last year. Um, so if the, everything to, comes to fruition on the defensive side, 
they'll be fine. They will go to the Super Bowl, in my opinion. Um, some reasons for concern are if that defensive backfield of, you know, if Devin Lloyd still doesn't know where he is, um, which I think he will, and if he doesn't know where he is, um, if teams pick on that third corner spot and they never settle on someone and they continue to dink and dunk against the Jags, um, if the if there's injuries along that interior of the defensive line, which quite frankly isn't that deep of a position outside of, you know, Devon Hamilton, Fadokasi, Adam Gotsis is an undersized guy who goes inside. Trayvon Walker you can bring inside, but they keep saying they don't want to. And then the most obvious, which is you look at that outside linebacker room, you're banking on Josh Allen in a contract year, Trayvon Walker taking the next step. And then, frankly, just at least based on the roster as it stands, Jordan Smith, who's coming off of a, an injury that plagued, that sidelined him all of his second year in the league, he was a healthy scratch in almost every single game his rookie year. And then Yasir Abdullah, who's a fifth-round draft pick out of Louisville, who's undersized. Um, and even if they are to re-sign Dewan Smoot, who continues to rehab from an Achilles injury, and he is rehabbing here in Jacksonville, um, he's coming off an Achilles injury. So do you need to get all of your pass rush from the outside linebacker position? Not necessarily. They're hoping that Devin Lloyd, like he did at Utah, can create some interior pressure from the second level. Um, but the reality is, if they can't get guys to pass rush, it doesn't matter how much time Tyson and company create on the back end. That's a hell of a rundown. I just think Trent Balky, I mean, he was around guys like that in San Francisco. Like he drafted those types of players, those defenses were gnarly, man. I remember Dante Whitner was on this podcast and he said, we had guys getting arrested like often. And he, he kind of said it like it, it was a badge of honor. I'm like, eh. I looked up some of those arrests. Maybe we shouldn't be bragging about those, but that was a defense to be feared. And if Trayvon Walker is everything they hope he is, then holy hell, they will absolutely take that next step. I think you just summed it up perfect though, Mia. Like when you started this rundown, you said, Jaguars fans are very concerned about the third cornerback spot. If, if, if that's the highest concern for Jaguar fans after everything they've been through, um, in their three decades as fans, then they're in a good spot, right? This is a, right. this is a good place to be. <laughs> and that's why when people panic, I'm like, that's our biggest debate right now is third corner. And should they be signing a veteran pass rusher? Do you understand that two years ago, this team like wasn't normal? Like we had wide receivers running into each other on routes. Yeah. Like your head coach game. is grinding up on a girl. Your head coach doesn't know who Aaron Donald is. It was no. Yeah, it, He's not on the team flight. He's back at his bar doing things that I can't say on this podcast. And we say just about everything. So yeah, let's leave it there. That was awesome. Great talking to you, Mia. Mia O'Brien, ten ten XL, the scoop. Everybody, follower. What's your Twitter handle again? At Mia O'Brien TV. Uh, many wanted me to change it, but I insisted to them. I'm still on TV, just in a different fashion, as in on YouTube, on Instagram, and yes, still freelancing, doing play-by-play and sidelines. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for hanging out with us, Mia. That was great. Thanks for having me.